welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoy this episode. We are joined by Sue and I cannot wait for this episode. I've got so many questions and I cannot wait to hear about her whole life story. Um, Jeremy's going to introduce her properly, but thank you so much for being here and enjoy the episode. What Rosie is not telling you is that she's been asking Sue questions for the last 45 minutes already. <laughs> 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 so but yeah she still have a few left for you guys <laughs> i've still got so many questions don't worry perfect um thank you sue for joining us today thank you for having me this is really a treat and to have you <laughs> be in person for this interview is even better so i'm excited to be here thank you. i wanted to do this episode for a while you've been in my list <laughs> of <laughs> guests for a long time um but yeah we are making it happen eventually uh we met about 18 months ago, uh, back in September Gosh. 2019, if I remember well. Wow. That was a while ago, <laughs> when you think about it. Um, we did gratitude training together. Uh, we had a few guests from gratitude, uh, including your partner, <laughs> Liz, back in July 2020. Um, yeah, you, you're a fascinating person for many reasons. Uh, there's a lot to unpack, <laughs> so we're gonna do our best to share your story the best way that we can. <laughs> um, but as always, let's start with where everything started. <laughs> uh, just tell us where are you from, and yeah, where did you grow up and everything? Awesome. Well, uh, my friends call me Sue, but my you know artist name is Susan. It's the name I was given, <laughs> but, but I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, my parents were students at BYU and uh, came back to Miami. So I was raised here from the time I was three until the time I was like about 17 when I was graduating high school. So I was raised in Miami, Florida and knew I wanted to be an artist at the age of 15 my aunt, my grandmother, my, not my aunt, my, my grandmother bought me my first camera and it was over from there. And then I skipped to where my story really began. And I think that's when I had my daughter, Savannah. Um, so I had Savannah when I was 21. I was married at the time. And yeah, that's truly where my life began. I was a mother and everything changed. Like life was no longer for for me, life was for somebody else and I was going to do my best to do my best at life for her. Can I just interrupt you a second? Uh, how, how and why did you pick the name Savannah? It's a pretty unusual name. I'm curious, name. I'm curious to know how, how did you pick it? Well, I love this artist and Gettys at the time was a baby photographer and I had this book. Um, and I wanted to name her Hannah, but I was working a corporate job as office manager and my assistant's name was Hannah. Like, and I was like, oh, cool. I'm pregnant. I'm going to name her Hannah. But then after a while, Hannah was terrible. She was a terrible assistant. She was just, she was clocking into lunch, like late, like never, like, so I was just no more Hannah. And one day I'm looking through the book and there's Savannah at the back. Like it was the credits of the baby. I'm like, wow, this baby's beautiful and it's in a flower and I love it. So I took off all the H's. So she's Savannah without an H because nothing resembling Hannah, <laughs> but it was close and 
you know, I loved it ever since. So, and I call her savvy for short savvy and she's very savvy she's she knows everything youtube's her best friend she's smarter than me which is great and i appreciate life because of her like keeping me on my toes savannah's perfect <laughs> i get really passionate talking about like her i guess i get really excited when i do meditations and they ask for you to like think of the best moment that makes you really, really happy. Like I literally think about the day she was born and like having her put on my, my chest. And like, so I, I have to remember that time as a pivotal time in my life. Like, and you know, she made me realize I needed to be myself and the best person I could be. So it's interesting the, the way also you presented it in the sense that this is when your new life or your life uh, started because it was not just by yourself um it's a nice way to present yeah and pretty unusual as well i don't know most of the time people see it as i don't know a new chapter or something different but yeah i like the fact that it's not about you anymore and and you're kind of in the background from what i i feel like and it's 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 all about her in this case but whatever her or him whoever it would be yeah it's a nice way to to present it i think <laughs> you said that at 15 years old you knew you wanted to be an artist and that's coming from uh someone getting a camera to you um how what was the process because most of the time when you're a child, a teenager, and you say to people, I want to be an artist. That's when usually you hear, get a real job, go to school, do something real. That's just, <laughs> yeah, that's just a hobby. You're not going to make anything in your life from taking pictures or whatever. How was that? How did you introduce that? And how did that go? Uh, interesting. My, my mom, she will say she's the original artist. Uh, she'll, she'll say it now too because I'm like you know so good she's like remember I was the original artist I'm like yes mom I remember you can, you can be that um, but she would always do arts and crafts with us like that was our bonding moment with my mom even into like teenage years like she she was really great baby years and then our teenage years the way we bonded was that that she and that, that was all we knew so um, and every vacation she had her camera out and I wasn't allowed to touch it and remember when my baby sister was born I was six and my dad got me these like it's like this rectangular Kodak camera that you like slide it across oh I remember those those like, like cassette <laughs> yeah. like looking cameras and my dad got one of those and I remember taking a picture of my mom breastfeeding and my dad going to Eckerd's whoever listens that remembers what Eckerd's is um Eckerd's and developing my film and being like oh my god we can't bring that one home like I would always be excited to be like developing my film like what came out what came out you know so like those moments were really exciting for me and I, so I think it was always around like I, I my mom had a video camera all the time like the big ones and when my sister after I got a camera like I had a friend in high school that she was a senior and she was doing like these photo shoots with her friends and I was like that's so cool and my aunt she took a photography class while she was in medical school and it really like livened her up and I saw that her so I think I just had people around me that were just having so much fun doing this 
art and I just like connected with the camera somehow um and when I asked my parents for one like a real one I was like I really want a real one to and to take high school photography my parents were like no you know and they probably didn't have money to like do that but my grandmother went to one of the best photography stores here in Miami that still exists and she like came in 1994 or whatever just walked through or 94 two yeah no 2099 or something around there I was 15 how do the math yeah. <laughs> I don't remember um but she's like my daughter my granddaughter is gonna be a photographer and I need the best camera you have and she did. She got the best camera I, there was. And I just nonstop like took pictures and tons of rolls of film. And so I was, yeah, I always wanted to be a photographer. And when it got to when I was like in high school and about to graduate that my dad's like, what are you going to go to college for? And I'm like, I want to be a photojournalist. I want to do photography. And that was where the, no, if you're going to go to college, if we're going to pay for college. You're going to go and do something that's going to make you money. And that was, yeah, it was in a reality. So I went to college, took all the classes to like what you should do in college classes, like test your abilities. And it was all sorts of things I didn't want to do. And then, so I just kind of like was doing general studies and I didn't really start my photography business until my son was born. Um, and I like had felt that I was really sad that I didn't capture my daughter's life so early on. I, I had like little tiny snapshot camera. So um, I got my first digital, I switched to digital after my son was born in 2007. Um, and that's when I started like, I'm going to do this as a career. Um, I was still married at the time. Uh, and so I was putting my, my husband at the time through school with my photography. It's so interesting you said about, um, my mind's gone blank, this always happens. <laughs> One second. Oh, okay. It's going to come back, bear with us. Okay. It's so interesting you said that you couldn't really capture your daughter when she was a baby because you didn't have the right camera equipment or whatever. And I think it's so different to now because everybody has iPhones and it's so easy to get really good photographs with your phone that you have all the time with. You don't need a specific camera and a specific lens and all these things that you needed you know, 10, 15 years ago. So it's interesting how it's kind of changed now and how people now kind of take it for granted that they can do that. Whereas years ago, like even our parents, you know, it was a lot of money to buy a camera and to take photographs and do all that thing. Yeah. I just think it's interesting how like it's all changed and... I feel really old when you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, we are old, Jeremy, sorry. That was just like 15 years ago. I mean, not even now. Like, yeah, yeah, but technology has just grown, yeah. like has sped up so fast in the last 15 years alone that we're not old. It's just technology is evolving really fast. And now it's like accessible for everyone. Like, you know, yeah, not everybody had a professional camera at home, but now you go to weddings and everybody has a professional camera and is shooting the couple. And I remember starting my business and being like with the Rebel, like Canon and like being like, spending all my money on the glass because you know the lenses is where it's at and I was like just trying my best and then Uncle Sam comes with like freaking 7D or whatever was great on the market at the time and I was like it was so discouraged like what am I doing yeah it stands in the middle I'm like get out of the way Uncle Sam like this is me now I'm getting paid here like you know so yeah it was yeah. fun 
just before closing the the thing on that what's going to be interesting also is you know like every time you have a wedding or whatever you come up with like the video from when you were a kid to like your 80s and, and 18 years old and everything and for us like we had to go through you know the books and scan the photographs so you can make a movie when now those movies are going to be three hours long because we have so many video and and photographs so all the kids growing up is going to be <laughs> pretty funny about it's really that is true like you can play the movie the whole wedding long it's like look at my life look at where i got that's actually kind of funny because it seems like a and also we have like a graduation so, yeah <laughs> and we have photograph of everything now like before we were careful because like you said we had to print them so you were mindful on how many photographs you're taking you'd buy a film for like a birthday or for like a vacation yeah. or for very special occasions you wouldn't just take photographs of somebody sleeping on the couch yeah. or eating an ice cream or like <laughs> do it like it would be super specific and special occasions where you'd buy a film and take yeah. your photographs but now every single random moment is yeah. photographed and filmed a yeah million times. and I, I don't know what the math is but when i got my first camera and i was shooting film we went to brazil as a family re, uh, family trip and uh, I took 13 rolls of film, and I remember that. I also remember that a lot of that film, those negatives have disappeared. So those photos have also disappeared. So, um, but it was like you were very specific of what you were taking. Like you said, you were salvaging that roll of film. Like this was important. And kind of the same thing as like, I mean, we could get, I could talk forever about photography and like photos, but like, what are we doing now? Like capturing everything. Are we even in the moment? Are you even paying attention? Because then if you were, then you would realize there was three moments that we should ca capture during this time. And like, you know, the 50 other pictures were unnecessary. We're spending all our time just photographing for what? Yeah. Well, it's like when you go to see, uh, a music show everyone is filming like no one is actually enjoying like people are looking at the the artist through the screen like, how many times that has happening yeah all right let's go back on track because i'm well, i'm going like no <laughs> i want to ask you about your photography so did you start i mean obviously started at 15 learning things and what age did you start your photography and what did you start with in terms of professional work um so i started at 15 I took a high school photography class and I was really fascinated with cemeteries and children. So like life and death was very fascinating for me. Um, so, you know, the beginnings and the end, um, but, uh, and patriotism. I remember taking a lot of patriotic photos, <laughs> like, like flags and like babies and flags. Like that was one of my favorite ones that I developed in the dark room, but I, I developed in a dark room. And then in college I took photography again. So I was, had access to a dark room again. So I shot film. Um, but then when that wasn't possible, uh, I learned Photoshop and uh, got a digital camera. So that's when I made the switch, um, about, uh, 2007 so I was already oh man I don't even want to do the math of how old I was then forget it 14 years ago so oh, 20 God. that's 14 years ago well 2007 wow yeah so you're 20 years old 20 when I switched to to <laughs> digital yes it was shortly after my wedding I remember being like asking my photographer like you don't shoot film what do you mean so how do I get the negatives like <laughs> it was like that type of like time so it was very fascinating 
And then did you go straight into wedding photography or did you do babies or what did you Weddings, do? I knew that's where the money was at and that's where I was going to bring home money. Um, so I went straight into weddings, did families because of weddings. And um, then from weddings went into live events um, where I also started galleries. So like fine art, photography. Um, yeah. About when I started weddings, I was also doing like fine art, photography. Um, so... Yeah, and I, I've done galleries. So I've done all different types of, you know, editorials as well. Um, and But weddings was like what was supporting my family. I think anyone who does weddings is very brave. It's so, like I've done two small ones, like one for a friend, so it's kind of no pressure, and then one for a really small thing. And it's so much pressure to get the kiss shot, to get photographs of all the attendees, looking casual like you know the what's it called rather than posed photographs or the candid yeah the candid shots of everyone and trying to get all the especially all the posed ones as well make sure you get every it's just so much pressure and such a long day as well and so many photographs to go through like thousands I take my hats off to anyone who does wedding photography honestly it's just (laughs) not for me I've done over a hundred weddings literally in 10 in 10 years and so I don't shoot weddings unless it's requested now but I'm really good and that's why I do production now because it's basically a production and, you know, everything has to be very strategic for weddings. Um, and yeah, you only get one shot. Yeah. And one day you don't get to do yeah, over. Say, yeah, let's... If you lose the memory card <laughs> or if you're having to delete the photographs, like whatever, it's so much pressure. There is a lot of pressure. No, Mm-mm, I don't deal well with that. <laughs> so then how did you move from that photography to now what you're doing with film? What, what was that kind of process? Um, so... I was doing a lot, uh, so I went back to college and was doing art, um, after I got divorced, wow, yeah, so I, I got divorced and started doing photography, like, even more, because I was a single parent, and it was what paid my bills, so I was just, like, anything I could do, like, free or not free, like, I was really hustling, so while I was in college, uh, a friend of mine was doing live uh, live shows, like concerts, and I was like, this is something I've never done, and this is exciting, and it's a place I like to go see concerts. I want to do this. So I switched from, or I was doing weddings on the weekends, and then I was shooting concerts every night. So, and like going to school and, and doing galleries too, so I was doing all, everything. Like, and being a mom? And being a mom. And I didn't live anywhere near my family. Like I was in Texas, and had three, I would call them nannies, that I would alternate and have me help out. And then, um, yeah, I had everything, like, produced. Like, I was, like, my kids had a schedule, went to bed at 7.30. I took a nap. 8.30, I got up, got ready for work again, and was at work at 9.30. And then 9.30 to 2 o'clock, I was at a, sh- at a show. At 2 o'clock, I went home. I, like went to sleep at 6 30 I woke up got the kids ready for school and then at eight o'clock I was in my uh, office editing because that show was going to be published with the editorial that day because it was the same day editorial the guy writing was getting the photos at the same time and I had his pictures first and that's what I was like I loved editing like I was editing I would edit that and then I would be like okay now I got to edit the weddings and like dang whatever you know but it got me like going to be like okay I'm here I just did that show wow I finished it okay now next you know so that's the 
the music scene really like pulled me in and was like I was very passionate about music and shows. How long did you do that for? I did that for 18 months. Jesus Christ. How that did sounds you exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how many shows that was. Like weddings is a different story and I was still shooting weddings like pretty intensely. Like I remember shooting a wedding, getting off and then going to make it for the show at 11 o'clock at night. Like, and I would be, I would wrap up the weddings too. I'd be like, I know I have a show and it's a really big one. And I'd be like, you know, your party is leaving. Like, it would be really great if we did the last shot of the night now while you have guests. And then after you did that, I was like, oh, well, you guys want to keep partying? I'm going to go now. And then I would be there. Yeah, I, I had a strategy down. Like, I wanted to do everything and I did. Like, so that's where... I, my, like my photography taught me like that I could keep working regardless, you know, and like it gave me variety too. So it was a lot of fun. I think that's as well when you know you found something you love that you will do every night of the week, even if you're exhausted, even if you're going to school, even if you're a mom, even if you're doing all these things, if you if you will do it because you love it that much, that's when you know you found like a passion that you really need to move forward with. It's amazing. And now I, I share that. So that led me into, you know, live shows and then um, like con big concert, bigger concerts. And then I did my first like music video for a photographer. And that was my first production in like 2015. And that's when I realized like, I like this. I like producing this. I like getting everybody together, having a big project. I was a part of this. Like we're a team because as a photographer, you're kind of, solo unless you have an assistant and it's a team like that's your team but like when we had you know over 40 people working on a video and everybody was doing it for free and I was the only one getting paid I was like wow this is interesting and I it, then it was like two years before I even like started doing production 20 yeah two and a half years that I even started doing production um so and it was music videos got me into it here I left Texas. I left editorials. I was shooting two magazines at the time. Um, yeah, they, like every time the show would come into town, I'd shoot the live show and then I'd bring them into my studio to shoot their portraits for the other editorial. And I would plan it, the schedule. And so I was like shooting two magazines and it was a lot. And I had a really horrible experience with a nanny that was um, watching my kids and um it was like personal between her and I and I didn't feel safe so that's when I realized if I'm going to be working this much and I and I need support I'm going to move near my family where I could trust mm -hmm. that my children are going to get the care that they need and also that I can do what I need to to push my career forward mm -hmm. so I came here and left everything and I thought my life was over <laughs> like um, I'm curious, who was the biggest band that you photographed when you were doing the photography <laughs> gigs? Anyone would have heard of? Yes. Okay. Uh, I toured with the Counting Crows and Rob Thomas. Um, yeah, so those were, that was my, my, my biggest, that was like my, oh my God, I made it moment. Like, <laughs> Did you actually meet them and mm -hmm. hang out with them? Yeah, so I went on four different shows um, and then realized I couldn't tour as a single mom. Like, so I came home. I got the guilt trip from my parents. Like, what are you doing? Come home. I know you're on the road. I'm like, I'll be back. Like one more show, just one more show. Like, and yeah, so yeah, it's interesting, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then you moved to Miami and what happened then? Because you said you thought your life was over. 
Yeah, I oh, thought my life was over. <laughs> uh, reinventing myself. Uh, I didn't want to shoot anymore. I got to Miami and I was like, I'm done. I put down my camera. Um, I shot the Rob Thomas show when after I moved here um, due to a connection from Texas. And the show, the tour was starting in Miami. So that's how it started for me here. So that was my glimmer of hope, um, which really got me kickstarted. And after that job... Um, I was like, I'm going to do this doc. I don't have a life here. I'm going to do this documentary. And so I did my first solo production. Um, and yeah. And after that solo production, it took me a year to even find a job in production. I was going to say the, the thing is that I feel this whole world is really based about the network that you have. So when you're somewhere geographically you have the people that you know and and you're gonna get recommendation and everything but i feel like when you move it's it's hard because it's a lot of competition i guess as well so you need to find the right people meet the right people get connected with the right guy that's gonna hire you for this job and everything so it must take a lot of hustling i guess especially at the beginning to it's not just like something personal Uh, it's it's also the, the environment and the job makes it really hard to move from one place to another, I guess, right? Yeah, and like I was doing photo shoots, you know, I mean, I didn't put it down for forever, but I wasn't shooting for myself for fun anymore. I was doing it like, please give me a job. Um, and yeah, networking was hard and I had to like pull net, like, hey, do you know anybody in Miami, you know, to my friends in New York or, um, you know, or California, like do you, and, and I was able to, but it took time and being in a place Like, and being willing to go out and meet people, like you can't, I mean, social media is great and all, but somebody told me something really important when I was in Texas and I was like starting to make it big on social media. because that's a whole other story where I've abandoned my fandom and social media, um, for my fine art. Um, and when I was doing that, I was shooting music at the time, doing everything. And the guy told me, he's like, who cares who knows you on social media? Who knows you here? good point because <laughs> i would go to like i'd go to the bar and they'd be like you have three million followers on facebook and i and this was at the time where facebook was doing a different following system and i had literally three million followers on facebook and people thought i was a fake human because they put peace love and sue and like the photo by peace love and sue so they'd see the editorial they'd be like peace love and sue go search me on the internet and be like three million people like whatever and then they'd see me in real life and they're like you really have like three and they didn't know who i was and by the end of a year and a half everybody in that town knew me like you know and I it, it was like a switch for me networking is really in person important in person just as much as it is in, in online because then you're a nobody in your own town and then what you're really alone like you know it's all about your community yes and networking well I guess also it's you can be a really good um, social media person meaning that you know what to do to grow online and everything but it doesn't mean you're going to be good at interacting in life with (laughs) human being and yeah if you have a good account but you're not good in person you're not going to go very far in a business i guess yeah so it makes sense and i and now even in my industry i don't get work through social media i my my resume is my cell phone number like that's how people contact me they got my name through a 
boss I worked with who gave my name because they needed somebody and then I got that job and then through that job I got now all these jobs and like hey oh I know this person oh she does this but she also does this too so it's like do they know you oh you only did this you know you're only a photographer but did they know that you produce and like you do weddings and and you you write and like you you know do they know all this about you how are they going to know you if you know, and, and that's what's really great about social media is like people are becoming more interested in the behind the scenes as much as they are like, hey, the artists, what they're doing. Back in the day, you would watch VH1 and be like behind the music and it'd be like 20 years later. And now you have that instantly. You have the artist and you have the behind the scenes. So it's, you know, you have to, I don't know, I want to, you don't censor yourself, but you have to just you're always being watched. I don't know. You need to be mindful about it. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's totally opposite of what we're going with. We're going with networking and I'm like, <laughs> we're being watched, people. No, no, Internet <laughs> security. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> um, I, before I bring something else, I'm going to try to connect the dots like we were speaking before recording. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you like, about what you do now and, and what's your vision and what you want to create in the future. But I'm going to try to bring another aspect of, of your life because that's going to be connected eventually. So I'm going to try to have a smooth connection here. <laughs> um, no, yeah, because uh, before recording, uh, you're telling us that when you were younger, uh, you used art as a therapy. Uh, this is super interesting. That's not something we hear about very often. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that and I mean quickly like why why did you need therapy what was going on in, in your life at this time and how art therapy was well helpful for you to to keep going so I guess I didn't realize I was doing it when I was doing it as a child until I learned it was a something as an adult so I guess we'll start from when it when I realized like art was my therapy. Um, I had gone through a really traumatic experience and I went to a woman's shelter. Um, this was shortly after I was divorced and I was already, um, you know, successful in my business and art and I was shooting abandoned buildings and abandoned buildings for me was like a drug. Like it was my passion and that's where my true passion, like that's where it stems. It still does and I appreciate it. Um, but it felt, made me feel invincible um, being in these abandoned buildings, capturing these beautiful scenes and seeing such beauty in a dilapidated mess. Like I was like looking at ugly shit and it brought me more joy than going to Yellowstone and taking pictures of a beautiful landscape. And I couldn't understand it. I can't relate anymore to what you're saying. I absolutely love it. So whenever I go to France, I photograph like windows and doors and drain pipes and holes. And people look at me like, it's fucking paint peeling off a 200 year old building. What is she doing? Like, and I'm just like in love with it. And I've, d I've always done it. And people always think I'm so weird. I'm like, no, I love it. Oh, this. I still do. I don't get it. <laughs> but I love like the rust and the colors and the paintings and all the broken shit. I I'm the same. I love it. I just, yeah, beautiful. It's something that's like so, it shouldn't be beautiful, but it is. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, I, I completely relate to that. Good. Sorry to break your No, please. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, yeah, you're passionate about windows and doors. Like, it means so much symbolically. Like, you know, it's like, you don't, 
So yeah, you don't realize why you're attracted to it until something happens and you're like, wow, it's because I was looking through an open window and I was opening doors for myself and the rust drain, but I don't know, like something comes together and you're like, oh, this is why. But that didn't happen for me with the abandoned buildings until like seven years later when I'm like looking back and being like, wow, this is what it was doing for me. But at the time it was just the feeling that I was getting when I was there so yeah like if something's drawing you and like something's like pushing you like now I'm pushed more to write than I am to take pictures but that's my like release and my like um my outlet so whatever is calling to you do it just trust it and be a beautiful project I hope I'm, I'm sure you have a beautiful coffee book coming up with doors and rain pipes I love it. already <laughs> oh, see psychic <laughs> we'll talk about that later uh, no I meant the psychic part but yeah your book I want that one <laughs> um, yeah so that was like my art therapy there and then when I went to the when I went to the women's shelter she asked do you do any kind of like art and I said photography and as a matter of fact I shoot abandoned buildings she's like no 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 we're not doing abandoned buildings for this art project. We're doing uh, self-portraits. And she told me, to, so I found this on social media. I was like a big, um, I was big on Google Plus with a bunch of other um, big photographers. And a group of us got together to do a self-portraiture project for before it was like a thing, you know, those 30-day projects. We did a 52-week project of self-portraits. And I was able to see myself transition and grow throughout that year so that was like my art therapy when I realized wow this is therapy like you know seeing myself on the other side of a lens like becoming vulnerable like um for myself and for others to see because I would put it on social media of course you know and so I was sharing my art and it was like releasing something for me and so that's when I realized art therapy was a thing but as I can ask you a question about that um I'm just trying to understand. So you you are taking picture like every week of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was it therapy in a sense, for example, uh, like accepting your image, accepting who you are, uh, like accepting I don't know judgment of other people? Is it like this this kind of process, like seeing, like you know, like looking at the mirror and looking at yourself and, and accepting yourself who you are? Is it that this this kind of thing yeah and um I remember one instance in particular that I was really struggling one night and it was a weekly thing but I would I would somehow come up with an idea like oh I'm gonna do this or like but it was usually when I was feeling really emotional that I would like all of a sudden grab my camera and be like I'm gonna do this photo project and like in the whole setting up and then the makeup and then like the outfit and then the scene and then the lighting at the end of like three hours I had processed something you know and I had like birthed a piece and so and then I would edit it the next day or and you know whatever um but it was the whole process um I forgot the question no uh, yeah no but I kind of no I, I was asking if like the fact that to oh. take taking picture of yourself was a way to I don't know yeah, yeah so an example in particular um like I remember one night like being really really sad and um and bawling my eyes out and like I remember looking at the mascara running down my face and just looking in the mirror. So like, of course I was coming to 
I would practice a lot in the mirror, like what was I going to do and like seeing myself and having to face myself upset about something. And, um, cause then I would also write after with the piece, like something to go along with it. Um, that like kind of tied it all together. Um, but I, I remember looking at myself like crying in the mirror and being like, wow, this looks really beautiful. Like, and like taking a step back from the emotion and just really looking at it from like a third person perspective. And that helped me step away from the whole situation and then be like, I'm going to capture this. So I remember like trying a new lighting experiment with lights and a shower and like a, a the shower curtain. And like I set up a light in a certain way and I sat in the corner of the the bath with like a specific shirt on that like had meaning and it said wee wee on it actually it was French it said wee wee um and the but the piece meant no and I was crying and my hair all disheveled the shower on and the way that the the water caught the light from the flash from below and my eyes and the makeup that piece like stood with me and like I remember looking at it online and like I would put these things online and people would be like calling my parents who were really far away and they'd be like, is Susan okay? Like she going through something, but it was just me being really proud of myself in that moment and like loving myself. So yeah, it was basically looking at myself crying and being like, it's okay. So it's facing myself the most vulnerable and learning to love myself even vulnerable and even in such intense feeling and detaching myself. from. It's interesting also that, you could have done it just for yourself, but you're also choosing to share it. I think that's interesting because it's really brave. Like it's not easy to expose yourself when you're down or when you're like the most vulnerable. Uh, you could have done it just like as self-healing, uh, but to put it out there, um, I mean, that takes a ton of courage to say like, this is it. Like, this is me as, this is as, bad as it get, as raw as it get, as real as it get. Uh, it's, yeah, fucking brave. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thank you. It's hard to be vulnerable, and and I was being vulnerable by myself, and I felt like that was the hardest part even, like to take the picture. And putting online was like the easy part. And letting people, it was very, yeah. To, so I don't, I don't know. And like the co positive reinforcement that I would get saying like, it's beautiful. What a beautiful piece. Like it was positive reinforcement. It wasn't like, I'm so sorry for your sadness. It was like, wow, this is powerful. Like you said, and it made, it almost like filled me with empowerment being like, yeah, you can be sad. People can see you like this, but they know how happy you are in real life. Like people who knew me all the time, they'd be like, you're the happiest person I know. Like giggling and giving hugs to people. But like, you know, realizing like people could relate too. Like I had a piece in a gallery. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces. Um, but it was a bird's eye view kind of like above my head. Um, and I, the only thing in focus with my eyelashes looking down, everything else was kind of um, blurred out like bokeh out, um, really shallow depth of field for all you photographers out there um, at a 1.2. And, and um, my eyelashes were all that was in focus. And on my lap sat a gun, like I was holding a gun on my lap. So you could see like the silver 
of the gun kind of revolver and it was sitting on my lap. And, you know, at the time it wasn't like I was having suicidal thoughts. I just had this idea for this shot. I'm like, I'm going to take this shot. It's going to be beautiful. I had my friend help me out. Like, and it ended up going into a gallery, my first gallery like I had five self-portraits in a group show and like that was one of the pieces on there and a girl came up to me and she's like thank you are you the artist and she's like thank you so much for posting for putting up this picture and she cried in my presence she's like I've struggled with suicide and suicidal thoughts and like this I really connected with this piece and I feel stronger because of it and um, and she was just sharing her experience and kept going and, but it empowered her as well for me to show my pain. And I think us as artists, like we are so vulnerable because, you know, we're basically putting ourselves into our work and it empowers people to see that, like, you know, um, to see people being open. It also helps them want to be open too and, and know they're not alone. So, you know, it's our job. It's our job as artists, like filmmakers, everybody to like show people that they can relate and like there is a light at the end of the tunnel too. Like, you know, look at us now. Yeah, but it's also amazing that you're doing it by yourself. You know, like, I don't know, most of the time when you you can produce content, you can create content about other people. You can tell someone else story and that's easier than sharing your own shit. Because it's when it's about you, I mean, it's but it's interesting that you said it's that it was like putting it online was easy for you in a sense. Because uh, for most people, that that's not the case. Uh, I find that quite interesting, yeah, super brave. But yeah, again, like you said, it's sharing the truth, sharing the ups and the downs the the real thing now we all go through it we're all human every seven billion people whatever we are <laughs> like we all go th- through some shit like that whatever it is like we all have downs and sharing those moments is probably more important than sharing the highlights because sharing highlights is easy and everyone is when you have, when you have a highlight when you're good and happy you you don't need support in a sense like because you're already hyped but it's when you feel like shit that you usually feel alone and knowing that other people somewhere in the world are going through something similar and they made it you know they 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 walk their way through whatever it is and 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 now they're good that's most important than sharing a wedding online in a sense i mean (laughs) it's way more important yeah and I mean, it's funny because right now my art that I'm making is completely different. And for a while, I was with my my girlfriend, and I was like, Liz, like I don't want to make what what kind of art do I make now? My dark, I love making dark art, and I'm like so happy now. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I don't even know. And now I'm actually writing a script about jealousy, so it's like great. It's like wow, this is like awesome for me now. I'm there, like therapizing myself with jealousy because it's like, oh, what what do I do now and get passionate about? So it's fascinating. Like, yeah, you're right. When you're like happy and you know, you're like, I'm just going about life. And it's the same thing for my art. Like my art gets really good when I'm super upset and like sad or like angry. I write like, you know, and as a kid, that was what got me through a lot is 
writing and like cutting out of magazines and doing manifestation boards. And I didn't realize I was doing manifestation boards and like, you know, and the photography and drawing and doodling in class and you know all the and like expressing myself with my nails like it's all art like it's all creating and and so we do we just got to find out our outlet what makes us happy like you know painting whatever whatever like comes to you in the moment let let that be your outlet let that be what distracts you or what transmutes your emotion like put it into the piece and then like burn it (laughs) <laughs> you know and I mean something that I will do is like burn that's why I say my start my story starts when my daughter was born everything else I burned and it's okay like I'm on to the next story you know all right um again before we talk about the future because I've got I have so many things I, I, I want to address but I'm trying to bring everything together um Explode. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> It's just for everyone to understand who you are. Uh, so everyone have like all the pieces and, and I think what you're going to be doing is going to make more sense if we have all the pieces together. So there's two things that I like to, uh, three things, I have to touch base. Um, can you quickly tell us about like, so you, you were raised in uh, the Mormon religion. Um, and before we recorded, you, you said that also had an influence on your art and on your art therapy and everything. So could you touch a bit about that? And also the fact that you went through some dark time when you were married uh, and now you're shining with Liz. Uh, so finding yourself also uh, about being married obviously, with, with a man before and having children and, and now being happily uh, in relationship. <laughs> um, how did that impact you as a person and and made you who you are now cool um yeah i was raised mormon um and i left the mormon religion about the age of 26 when i was exploring myself and really exploring my art and um because that's interesting for example because not that i want to spend a lot of time on that but i know so you 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 told me that this religion is a lot about and religion in general you're kind of being told what to do and everything as a creative person that must be hard because you know when you're creative you you, you want to experiment you want to go left right whatever whatever and uh, push the boundaries as well yeah and when you're kind of but you you you're, you're forced to stay on the path that mu- you, you must have you must have felt um restrained and and going out of the church like if we don't even speak about the religion but that must have been also a a creative explosion because you were eventually able to express yourself how you wanted yeah uh, definitely i mean i'm grateful for the box i was put in because i learned how to explode out of it now i can't even stay in this (laughs) i can't even stay in this interview because i'm exploding out of all the places um but yeah definitely being told there is only one way really makes you think and when you're told to search ponder and pray about it and then you're like well I was searching about it and I was reading all the scriptures and you know and in in this book it tells me like you know to to be me and that you're gonna love me anyway I don't know it's it's very interesting to be told this is the only way to get 
eternal life and you're like but wait but what about this like my situation is different here can we talk a little bit about this like you know and um yeah I mean I knew at the age of nine that I was that I was uh attracted to women but it was a sin for me like and so I I held it in and even when I was doing my art therapy I was doing therapy to like heal the part that I was that I was a sinner because I let somebody take advantage of me and I really didn't like her. I just couldn't stop thinking about her for my whole life, for the rest of my life. Like, you know, it was just so it's fascinating how the box I was put in made me see life a certain way. And the moment I got out, I realized there's many ways to see life and there's many ways to connect spiritually. And it's, you know, I'm not going to hell because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to hell because I spent 26 years of my life and now I'm deciding to change. And I think that's where it really gets hard for people is, is like when they've dedicated so much of their time to one thing and then all of a sudden they realize they, you know, they were given new glasses and they realize that we're seeing things completely a, a different way. Like it's hard to be like, okay, I can leave that behind and start anew and it, even though it's scary, you know, like the unknown is always scary. So leaving Mormonism was really scary for me. Um, and I went into a lot of darkness, just trying to find myself and explore myself. And ex life was giving me experiences to like really experience. And um, yeah, getting out of the box was really scary for me. Um, but it helped me find myself. And the more I did my art, um, the more I saw myself and I loved myself. And uh, then later on, like, I just didn't care what people thought about me because everybody was going to have their own opinion and their own perspective. So, yeah, it helped me. Also, the art therapy helped me realize after I was, like, doing this art to heal my childhood so homosexuality like you know like oh I'm not I am attracted to women but whatever I need a man in my life because that's what my Mormon upbringing made me believe um when I finally was like doing my art therapy I was like and I wrote one more time my story I was like this is not my story like this isn't real like so it took me writing it millions of times to be like this is not it like why am I still seeing it this way and it's okay to be gay like you know so if I hadn't like done that exercise of of like um doing a whole project on secrets like I wouldn't have come to the conclusion that like hey that's the wrong secret I've been hiding this whole time like it just took me creating this piece of art to be like oh wow I am gay and it's okay out here and like I've already experienced enough trauma like I'm going to like love myself and judgment. Yeah. Like, and I realize, I mean, I'm not even doing anything wrong and I'm still getting judgment. Like, so it just really took, yeah, get your know, you're going to be judged. <laughs> so you might as well be what, what you want to be. I was being judged for being a photographer as a single mom and, and, and chasing a career. Like, what was I supposed to do? Like stay at home and, and like, and be a mother to my children until they were 18 and we were poor and living on welfare. Like, so it was like something that supported my life and look at me now, look at where I'm at now, you know, it's funny if I had listened 
to all those people, would I be here today? No. So, but it took me looking into myself and creating myself. Like you ask, who are you, Susan? You know, I don't know. And we're, I'm always going to keep learning new things (laughs) about myself. Yeah. You're never going to know me because you can only, I can only share my experiences, but tomorrow I'm going to have another experience and I may see things a different way. Like just always being willing to change your perspective. I think that. If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Uh, we didn't talk about that before the recording, so you don't. Um, before I ask a question, how old were your kids when you told them that you're actually attracted to women? And I'm, I'm curious to know how they took it, because kids are the most innocent thing in the world, and they usually don't see... You know, I, I don't even know if like the, the 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 concept of you know like as adult we are conditioned we grew up in a thing that uh, I was I was told I'm not going to generalize here I was told like growing up that being gay was a disease being gay was not normal being gay was whatever you name it but it was wrong for whatever reason and you should be attracted to people from the other sex. Um, but we see you didn't raise your kids this way. <laughs> so uh, so I'm curious to, to know what was the, the reaction when you told them and yeah. Oh, this is a funny story. Cause I looked all over YouTube, all over the blogs, how to come out to your kids, like everything. I was studying for weeks, like thinking about what am I gonna say to them? Like, how do I say this? And how do I like say it without being weird? And like, you know, and so it's, it was really funny. There's nothing on the internet, nothing. There's, there's no instruction book for this. I had to figure it out by myself. Yeah. There's not, there's like articles of, or about older parents coming out to their adult children. Completely different. So, um, you know, and my kids had already met Liz, um, and she was in my life. Uh, I mean, we, we were a couple, like, but I, yeah, they're, my kids were seven or seven and nine years old. So eight, eight and nine, eight, nine, ten. William was like eight. Savannah was like 10 almost, I think. Um, and one day I just sat him in the kitchen and I was like with Liz and I was like, you know, Liz, and you know how your mom and your dad are like, cause they have their, their dad is now remarried. Um, and so they have a different family dynamic there. And I was like, you know how your mom, your your stepmom loves your dad a lot? Like, well, I love Liz a lot. And like, we're like together, together. And like sometimes, you know, a man can love a woman and sometimes a woman can love a woman and sometimes a man can love a man. And, and it doesn't matter. Like nothing really matters. It's just you know, your choice. And this is not something you have to decide now as children. Like these are adult decisions. Like I always made that clarification, even as children, like adult things, like this is an adult thing. And that kind of resonates for them. They're really smart. They're like, oh no, that's an adult drink. Or like, that's an ad- the funniest part is when my daughter at five years old told the babysitter, those are where mom and dad keep their adult movies. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so they understand adult things. So I, I was like telling them like, you don't have to explore your sexuality right now. And I wasn't even making it a sexual thing because it's not, 
Like, I think that's a really hard line. Like, people don't understand that when they're like, oh, you're gay, it's not like an open opportunity to talk about your sex life, you know? It's just like my preference and my partner. And so that's how I took it, like, as a standpoint. I didn't, like, bring any sex into it, nothing, or, like... um. And then, uh, so I told him that like sometimes men can marry women and sometimes women can marry women and sometimes men can marry men and then they can have families and like they can have babies. And my son, like all of a sudden my son's face got really weird (laughs) and I like knew to like stop because I could talk forever. And I was like, he looked at me, he goes, boys can have babies <laughs> he cracked up and it helps lighten the mood so much I was like laughing in the kitchen and my daughter's like yeah duh they can adopt like she already knew the answer to tell him like I'm just telling her these things and she like ob- obviously William they can adopt babies like so it was really funny to see them like come to that like themselves and then I was like you know what I you don't I don't need to say anything more like they get it and they get love and like I feel like we find the need to explain more to children than they really need at that moment because you know it's everything at their your different level of like understanding and for them they they understood just fine and it was like beautiful and they like loved Liz even more and like you know we kind of kind of become like became like a little family and it was like they didn't skip a beat and you know and they don't they, I don't know it's and now they're older and they still like they just have no judgment children have no judgment unless you teach them how to judge and that's where it comes from and I feel like they are like been the most unconditional loving beings and supportive beings for not only my love life but like my career and like they were like, even when I was working those long hours, they were excited for me, you know? And my daughter would, she was seven when I'm shooting concerts and, like, a, a artist that was just on The Voice was going to come into the studio. And she knew that The Voice was a big deal. And she's like, can I stay up, Mom? And she did. She stayed up until, like, 9.30 when he could come over. And, and like, she came into, you know, the studio and she would take pictures. Like, like she, they've always been there and they've never held me back from anything. And so... I really appreciate them for being like the biggest support in my life. And because of them, I learned to love myself, like, cause they loved me regardless. They would see me those moments crying and it was okay. And like, you know, and, and then they could cry with me and like, it, we can comfort each other and it's, everything's neutral. Like really nothing's bad. Nothing's good. You're just doing your best and it's all neutral. And they understand that we're the ones who fucked them up. So, yeah. I love that because I think a lot of people oh, use... Oh, sorry, that was a bad word. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Children, you know what I mean about adult <laughs> words. <laughs> I think a lot of people use having children as an excuse to not chase after their dreams and they kind of think, oh, well, I can't do that because I've got children at home or I can't do that because this, that, neither. And it's amazing that, like, yes, you had children at home, but you still went out, out and chased your dreams and showed them to be ambitious and showed them to be you know, go after what you want to go after and not just sit at home, like you said, and get money from the government and be poor and whatever. Like, rather than using your kids as an excuse not to do things, use it as a reason to do things. And I think that's amazing to kind of flip the script a little bit and kind of have them pushing you forward rather than holding you back, which I think a lot of people, either they're scared of having kids because they've still got things they want to do 
and they're scared that if they have kids they won't be able to do the things they want to do or otherwise they do have kids and they use that as an excuse like oh well, I can't I can't possibly do that because I've got a two-year-old mm. but you can still do that there's ways around things but it's amazing how you've kind of changed changed it if that makes sense yeah um definitely that's a big part of what my filming my documentary um and traveling with them for three months and and going after my dream it was all a dream campaign it was all about dreams and in the end I ended up pursuing my dreams and here I am in production you know creating tons of projects that finish and uh making you know music videos that are on MTV and I'm like you know I'm at a place where I'm like proud of myself because I kept pushing myself but I never let the fact that I had the children hold me back like you said like they were always cheering me on and telling me I could and and it's okay. And they, they were used to being apart from me sometimes. And I wasn't guilty because I worked that day and I didn't see them until the evening. And that was our time. Like, it's very interesting, the guilt that we feel. But also, they're not little forever. My daughter's 13 years old, about to be 14. And I can't even believe how fast the time has flown. And if I had let all that time fly by idly and like not done anything for myself, where would I be today? Like I, I see so many parents start over when their kids turn 18. And yeah, we're starting over all the time. Almost every five years we're evolving and changing, you know, and so are the children. Like if you're not evolving with your kids and like, you know, what are you waiting for? Like, why are you holding your breath? Like the time is going to fly by like, but they respect you when you're like, I don't know, when you show them that you can make it all work. Like I, my kids aren't lacking anything. They're not lacking a mother right now because I've been chasing my dreams. In fact, they've been alongside me being like, what's next? And that's exciting. Let me tell me about work and like, you know, and, and being involved and also realizing that I spend those times with them where it's just as exciting. They're just as much my passion as my job. So I don't know. Time is going to fly by really fast and they're not too forever. And yeah, it's harder when they're little, but um, they'll respect you more for it, I think. You, you, make, you, you make it sound really easy, but I mean, uh, you must have been and you must still be judged as hell by a ton of people. I'm, I, I'm sure people said you're a bad mother because of the way you stuff it up. Because that's what people say. I'm, I'm really like, it's, you know, like how many times you hear like, you know, oh, you, you have kids, but it's just to leave them with your nanny or whatever. That's things that we hear like all the time. And like, it is super brave for you to say like, you know, like say whatever you want. Like I'm straight with my kids. Like we are a team, we are together we are making it work uh, you can have your opinion like stop judging me think whatever you want like this is working for us we are happy we all love each other like that's cool but it's brave because I also think as a woman as well like it's fine for men to have kids and go back to work and yeah. get a promotion go after that new job travel the world do whatever they're doing because they're men Whereas if a woman wants to travel the world and have a successful career and move forward and do all these things, suddenly they're a bad parent. And it's it's crazy how the roles are kind of so ingrained in us that that's the way that we think, you know, if you were a man, 
everyone would be like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're doing these things. Whereas because you're a woman, it's like, no, you should be at home with your children. Like it's... Yeah. You're so ambitious. You're providing for your family. Yeah. And no, definitely all those things happen. And this is a big reason I'm not on social media. <laughs> because, I mean, when I was working concerts every night, like people were like, wow, she's out at the bar every night when she has young children. And they didn't get that I was like working my ass off to be an editorial photographer, which now I've done big music videos and, you know, with Drake and JLo and like all these things. And oh yeah, that time where my kids were little and I sacrificed a lot of time and a lot of sleep and, you know, and no money, making no money in this, look at where it got me now. Like, had I let those people telling me all that stuff about how bad of a mother I was, like there are moments all the time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I could be spending more time with my kids or I'm sitting at work and I was like, oh, I'd rather be at home with my kids and are they missing out on their mom and I don't want to be here working my life for this job, but like I love my job, you know? So I think anybody's going to have that, that guilt. Like I could be spending more time with my child, but like, what are you doing? You know, are you, you going, you're going out every night to like party and like, or are you like progressing your life? And I don't know, I was progressing my life in a good way, you know? So that's a big reason I'm not on social media, Jeremy. Like, I don't want anybody to have the opportunity to judge me. And you say you must have a lot of people judging me. And I have had a lot of people judge me. And now the people I keep in my life don't really judge me, at least not to my face and not anywhere where I can read. And that's where I draw the line. And I, you know, and even when I post something happy now and it's random, um, people like judge and think, well, what's going on with her? Oh, she just posted a picture with her girlfriend. They must be going through some things right now. They haven't posted in months. Like, yeah, okay. People really have nothing to do in their life and do they pick up their phone to ask me how I'm doing when I'm doing all those that art those art pieces that were really sad and I would hear these things through my parents like is something okay is everything okay did you pick up the phone to call me ask me if I'm okay like oh no you just wanted to talk because you have nothing to do with your life like you know judgment is gonna happen and so I choose to keep it at a distance and if people start getting judgmental with me I have told friends I'm going to take a time out right now because you don't agree with me and because I don't think I'm doing anything wrong and all of us are happy so you know if I let that get to me I would never get to this point right now and I I feel yeah I feel better about myself um choosing the support system around me and and who I share information with because yeah there's a quote I've seen online it's something along the lines of you're never going to be judged by anybody who's doing more than you which I think is so true because they're too busy doing their own thing you only get judged by people who are sat at home watching tv scrolling instagram <laughs> you're never going to be criticized by someone who's out there hustling harder than you so that's something to bear in mind as well for anybody listening if you're being criticized it's only because they've got nothing better to do and you just keep doing you and I think that's it's something I keep it keeps cropping up on my instagram I'm like yes love that one yeah amen to that yeah, yeah. but again you make it sound really easy but i mean it's not easy and no. and, and, and it's it's amazing to be able to reach this level of awareness and and everything because yeah it's not 
that easy. <laughs> you just say none. <laughs> Somebody said the other day, like, I was like, you're a superhero at work the other day. I'm like, you're a superhero and we're making all these freaking commercials right now, working way too many hours and like whatever. And he's like, it's not easy. And I, I yelled at him. I'm like, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do not, I do not recommend anybody to take this path. In fact, I don't think you're going to take the same path. Nobody's going to take the same path, but you know, realizing that life is full of easy things, which is great, and things that aren't easy. And somehow I choose things that are not easy, but I get such satisfaction for when I do accomplish it and when I do like sit and have those aha moments of being like, I made it or like, wow, like really humbling myself because I've seen how far I've come and just really acknowledging you know, your, your journey. And, uh, that's what judgment, like, we are our own worst critics. And that's what acknowledging yourself helps is get rid of the critic. So if you're constantly acknowledging yourself and having these moments to like stop and be like, wow, and just acknowledge for where you are right now, because you're not where you used to be. I think that's what helps silence the critic. So having people around you that are acknowledging you and saying, this is hard. Thank you. Like I really, this, I've really been boosted tonight for both of you. I really appreciate your positive reinforcement and like, you know, this is, I'm very grateful for you both, but yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. Did you, did you, love her. did you meet her? I, I did. Did you hug her pre-COVID? No, I wish, but she looks like an angel. She's an angel. I could not get that close. I thought, How close did you get? Could you smell her? Did she smell good? <laughs> I Yeah, her trailer is great. She has a great diet. Like, she takes care of herself. Like, she's great. Um, you know, it's so funny because we're all at work. So it's not like you're like going to work and it's like, Jeremy, oh my gosh, I've never met you in person, but I've only seen your work. And Jeremy, you're amazing on the computer. Can you show me how you do that thing on the computer? You know, See, like, oh my gosh, can I smell your hair? Hold on. See, oh, I would be that person. I you have to be like, hello, Miss Lopez. Hello. Thank you. Do you call her Miss Lopez? No, I didn't. I just like. I mean, here? <laughs> we're good here okay great that's it like you know you need anything awesome bye like that yeah. must be amazing as well like you said about humbling yourself and being like holy shit i'm working with the biggest stars in the entire world oh just working with the estefans lately like i worked on red table talk and um i got to hang out with the estefans for like a whole week and that was like, we're in a small room and it's COVID times and, you know, it, it was fascinating to just be there. And it's like Gloria Stefan's birthday. We're all singing and the, the cameras are off, but I'm here and I'm like, yeah, happy birthday. What the hell is going on? Wow. Where am I? Like, yeah, definitely those moments have really humbled myself and get me excited and realize I'm doing something I'm passionate about because I do get that excited. 
um, but also just feeling very lucky to be like, you know, in production, all these people are grand, they're like veterans in the industry. And, and I just really bring this like joy to vive. Like I am, we're so great. We're making another commercial today. This is awesome, guys. I love this. You guys happy today? Like, weren't we so lucky to be here and film Miami? Like, this is great. So I'm still, I hope I never get off that high because it's a very stressful job as well. And I work 12 plus hours daily on projects and it's it's really intense and like big budgets and high profile people and no messing up and and two days turnaround yeah two (laughs) days turnaround like very fast projects but um it's very rewarding as well and I feel very grateful to be able to like even see these people so I'm like Mm -hmm. yes and the inside I'm like what the what is going on like but at the same time I'm like I got to do better. I got to do great. I'm going to go and do my job. I'm going to go back to the computer because I do spend a lot of time on the computer, you know, working budgets and stuff like that. And, and like, you know, with the crews and I don't know, it's, it's very fascinating. It's not even, I'm not even holding a camera right now, but it's still within the same realm of what I've been doing and, and fueling me in a, in a different way. And, you know, now I write more. So it's just, accepting yourself for always evolving too. like I don't feel sad that I'm not shooting every night anymore you know I'm I'm excited that my career has evolved to this point and also very grateful because I'm grateful I did all those jobs for free for so much time and it pays off now and at that moment you couldn't have told me that I would I would have been like you know I've had those aha I've made it moments but it was like nothing of like now like wow you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah, the acknowledging just where you're at. Yeah, it's important. Keep, keep going. going. Keep evolving. Uh, I promise everything is coming together. <laughs> Last thing before we, we talk going? about the future and what you're going to be up to. Uh, you quickly mentioned about the road trip you took with your kids. Uh this could be a whole hour conversation in itself. Yeah, like, yeah. why it why did you decide to go on a road trip? Uh, you were homeschooling your kids as well. Um, super curious about that. Uh, so yeah, tell us about this side. That's great. Um, yeah, when I really, really was like, I was trying to get into production and it's really hard to get into the circle of people here. And like I said, my resume is my phone number. So who has my phone number? Like um, some something came to me during that time of like, I need to create something. And I'm like, if I want to be in production, I need to make something. Like I need to make a film then. And then they'll see that I could do it, right? And I was very ambitious, like prepped for a whole two months and watched a lot of documentaries. Um Uh, so that's what it started. I wanted to be in production and I was like, I'm going to do this project. And I had some savings and was living at my parents' house because I was in transition. And I was like, well, I'm practically homeless. I guess that's the nomad life, you know, like lifestyle. I'm going to go nomadic with my kids and homeschool. Um, so it had been something that I had thought about for before I even moved to Miami. And now I had the time, like I wasn't, you know, my dream had fallen through the cracks I was going to find a new dream and production was it so um, I decided to take a three-month journey and do the whole United States I only made it 
from Florida to Boston to Texas, back to Florida, like that whole triangle. I did everything in between um, and did not make it to the West because it was just not enough time. Big you need country. more time. <laughs> yeah, this is a big country. Three months and half the country was like, you know, I was doing, I was in each place and acclimating and like meeting the people and really being in the community. So it was taking time. Um, but I decided to homeschool my children so that we can do this on the road. That was the biggest, like, I came out of the closet to my family. I told my parents I'm getting a divorce. Like all those things were really hard and we got through them. But when I told them I was going to take a three month journey and film it, I'm a freaking photographer. You're going to film it with what, with what money and what experience. And so it was, that was when I got the most like you, you Dorothy and chasing your dreams and, um, that's where I got the biggest backlash. And I, that also was when I got off social media um, because I was scared to fail and I was scared to publicly fail. And um, so I was like, I'm going to go off the grid. Even though I was building the project, I was building a Kickstarter and didn't make my Kickstarter goal. So all that money went you don't, if you don't make your Kickstarter goal, you don't make your money. Um, so I took my savings and went on this journey and, um, that's, it was getting off of social media for those, that time, picking up my camera instead of my phone to take pictures. Um, it really like restarted my life and it was me and my kids and the road and, anything was possible. I didn't, I had like a map of everything I was going to do, but it was like, okay, I've spent too much time here. I'm going, I'm leaving tomorrow. Like let's start packing today. Um, it was so freeing and so invigorating to be able to just create myself every day. And like, um, I budgeted the whole thing. I, I, so I learned a lot about production, what it was going to take audio wise. Um, you know, I was filming on my camera. So, uh, the lighting was really important. I was doing doc- like uh, interviews for the documentary as well. So I had all my gear in my car. I learned how to travel with kids in a car. My car was loaded. I had a, you know, dresser system in the back for all of us. Like I learned everything in like two months and, and just took off and disappeared and only kept in contact with five people and, um, and did me. And that really kickstarted me and that, um, I felt again, invincible. So I wasn't doing abandoned buildings, but it was another same, similar like passion. Like, you know, I was doing this project. My whole life was just for that project at the time and my kids, um, seeing the country. So, um, yeah, it was, that was probably another one of those hard moments in my life. Like, and then to come back without a finish like in it's been four years since I did that um I don't have a finished product from that that trip but I have all of this for it like my kids still homeschool and look at us we're in COVID times and everybody's homeschooling um I know how to live on a budget okay great I can learn to live for three months without a job and it's okay and I did that during COVID times like everything I learned on that trip and even my diet, my, I was super consumed with my health. And then I met this yoga studio and like 
then I went to this temple and, and learned about meditation on that trip. So like that trip opened me up to everything like and changed my entire life. And it just took taking me out of my comfort zone. So yeah, I, I owe a lot to that trip, even though I don't have a documentary from it. But now I've had tons you of have, videos. Yeah, I mean, and anyway, <laughs> you have hard drives with the footage, so that can come That's later. There. And yeah, but like, like you said also, and I, I think it must have been super powerful for you also because you've been in a box for so many years, um, not being free, not being who you were for so many years. So being able to be like, 100% free for three months to do whatever you wanted, go wherever you wanted and stuff like that. It must have been like, you know, it was amplified because of your story as well. Uh, so I can't even imagine how you felt about like, let's go kids, where are we going? <laughs> like, and having like just possibilities, you know, in front of you. It's like, oh. yeah. And I let a lot of the judgment before the trip get to me. So a lot of the whole first part of the trip, like a good month, I was just processing psychologically. So it was, again, another art therapy project because I was like learning rejection. And like, you know, again, and like my family wasn't support. Now they're super supportive of everything I do. Like, but that time they were not. And they didn't talk to me for the whole time I was gone. So it was very, I felt very alone. Even though I was with two kids, I felt alone. And I didn't know where I wanted to go. So it was a lot of, yeah, yay, adventure. But then there was a lot of uncertainty. And and like, okay, I'm this, I have to get a job in the next city we get to okay I need to plan a photo shoot who do I know in the city I'm gonna need a photo shoot to make this much money because I don't want to drain my funds too much so it was very stressful too like woohoo adventure and oh my goodness if I spent too much money and where am I gonna stay in the next town and and you know what am I even filming at the same time I'm making a film like so it's yeah it it was a roller coaster of emotions yeah. <laughs> you know and am I doing the right thing for my kids like you know <laughs> I think as well with the filming if you you kind of don't really know when you have to film because the you know getting that amazing shot could happen in an instant you don't have your camera out so you kind of have to film all the time or she might miss certain moments that you wish you'd captured so it's also the stress of like constantly having batteries charged constantly having memory on your memory cards constantly having the camera out and filming everything that you're doing just in case because you don't want to miss anything important. I think that's probably stressful as well. Yeah, and I wasn't doing that. I was focused more on the doc, like the documentary style of like the interviews because when I started doing that, it was like such a process to be like get out the camera and I have the two kids and is everybody okay and everybody fed and like so I had to be more strategic with what I was filming. Like I'm in the city and like tomorrow night for 2 hours I'm going to go out and I'm going to film for this time and like it, you know, if I, if I was in a place where I knew people, they were help me with the kids or the kids would come with me. And like, it was very strategic, very produced. Um, so I was able to take moments where I wasn't filming and actually be in the moment. But a lot of it, like I, I was practicing a lot of meditation during that time. So it was like traveling, but I was internalizing, like inside as well. So it was, it's interesting because I, I see all these YouTubers now that are like out there and constantly filming. And I'm like, 
do you ever get a moment to be in the moment? Like, you know, do you ever have a moment to not be with your device? And this is a lot of work. Like making a film is work for me. And I wanted to enjoy and be in the moment and not have to capture this next location, you know? So it was, I couldn't, I couldn't have experienced that or, or known that until I was on the trip and been like, oh, and that's why a lot of, I don't have a lot of B-roll. Like I have a lot of the interviews and those were done really well. And I have photos, like a good photo journey of it. But um, that taking out and like filming all of it, I was, it got to a point where I was in the moment. It was just me experiencing. So I'm like, yeah. And the story has changed from then too. Like the documentary I was filming is now shifted and evolved again because all the stories have changed. Um, even my own. So yeah. I don't know. It, it was fascinating. It was, it was more of a journey for me. Yeah. You needed in the it. end. You, you needed it to, yeah. to transform and, and, and move on to the next phase of your life. Yeah. It was necessary. Where was your favorite place? I love New York. I love New York so much. I would never live there. It was hard to live there with the kids. I lived with the kids in the Bronx for like 20 days and we did the whole New York thing. I did a uh, engagement shoot in Central Park. Yeah, so I like, you know, I would line up work wherever I would try to go um, and try to incorporate it into the film somehow. But um, but New York, I love New York so much. There's just something so magical about that city. Um, yeah, uh, but I love the West so much more. <laughs> like now I, oh, I didn't do Washington during that trip but i love washington i love canada i just love going to new places and experiencing but i realized that a lot of places were the same and like america is america everywhere you go it's just you have like those iconic places that are like really cool where was your least favorite place was there somewhere you were like oh my god we've got to leave tomorrow morning <laughs> oh, i went <laughs> I was driving through the mountains of Virginia one night because it was like, remember how I said we could just get up and go anytime? Well, I was really emotional one night and I was like, I'm leaving. And like that I would run away from, it was great. It was a very therapeutic experience. Like I'm going to leave today. I'm done. So I left a little bit too late and went into the mountains of Virginia and it was kind of eerie. And so I was really tired. I'm like, it'd probably be best if we stayed at a roadside hotel um, you know, like wherever I can in the mountains, it's dark. Um, and so I found this like little motel and it was like something out of a horror movie because <laughs> it looked great. You know, like the horror movies, those roadside hotels like look amazing. And you're like, this is awesome. Like, it's so cute. Right. No, like they gave me the last room key. The window was broken. Like we go in, it's dirty. I'm like saging the place, like trying to get the spirits out, whatever. <laughs> like it felt that weird. And I had this horrible experience there because just the energy was really weird. And this guy was out asking way too many questions to all the neighbors and it's late. And I'm like, kids, we're leaving. I'm like what? We're leaving. <laughs> we're like we, we can't stay here i can't stay here a whole night i don't care that i paid 30 dollars for this motel we're leaving so virginia scared me i don't know why but i think like there's so much history in those mountains like 
that uh, it, it resonates. And I was super connected with like, you know, meditation, energy, like very sensitive to emotion. Like, so I felt it in those mountains. So I was like, this is, this is weird. I got to keep going. So I pulled into Nazareth, Pennsylvania that night. Like that was the best. Cause I, there's that song that's like, I pulled into Nazareth, like feeling like half past dead, like literally saw map part of the map i'm like oh that's nazareth pennsylvania like that's where the song is from so i drove until i got to nazareth at like four in the morning just for the experience i'm like pulled into nazareth and i slept in a walmart parking lot with the kids it was perfect so yeah it was a great experience <laughs> all right let's bring everything together now uh, <laughs> no we're not done <laughs> no i'm not closing it i'm oh, no. How I'm bringing the whole story together. Um, no, about what's next. What's your vision? What's your dream? What do you want to create now? And how do you want to bring all those experiences together to create whatever it is? I would love to make films on the road and my kids come with me, like, you know, like what I did on that trip and have my mom come and like support me in that and making films. Um, I really want, you know, Liz is a very inspirational human and she's been on your show before and she's one of write scripts that matter to people. And I really appreciate her for inspiring me to like find a way to, to make what I'm doing now, um, influence people in a, in a good way. And how do you do that? But share your pain, right? Like that's all I've ever done in, in art is like share my pain and that helps. Um, So now I'm writing scripts, like I'm writing a short film and um, it's something a little different than what I've been experiencing, but I don't know what the future holds, Jeremy. Like I, I've, I've learned that in the last 10 years, like I could have never seen myself where I am today and I probably had a different vision of, of where I would be now, but all I know is what I, what I want to do now, like You know, I'm open to what the future holds for me. Um, and I just know that I want to keep creating. Whatever that means, like, I want to create and grow old and <laughs> be able to, you know, photography. I was like, this camera's heavy. Like, there's going to be a day where I can't do weddings anymore and, like, hold this. And that's what always got me thinking. Like, am I going to be able to do this forever? And that's where I'm thinking in my head at, at all times like how can I evolve this so that I can keep doing it and it doesn't so I mean what I do now in production is you know uh, work under a producer and I production manage and coordinate it's a very stressful part like you're basically holding the money and the crew in your hands and and it's a really stressful part of production and I'd love to be more of a creator director um, direct my own films Um, you know, there's not a lot of women in this industry and I've never let that hold me back before, let alone being a mom, like in a woman and in, in this industry, whatever, I don't care. I've been different my whole life. So, um, yeah, I'd love to direct some films, but then what's, I don't know what's next from there. Do I go back to photography? I really want to be a Rolling Stone photographer. Like, you know, that's possible now these days. Um, so So who knows, but I don't want to ever stop creating. No, but I can see that you, you had multiple 
lives in a sense and you know like you, you started with just the photography and then you went to videography and then you went to events uh so and every step you're learning new things and meeting new people and that led to producing uh so and and also you create for yourself as a hobby as well and use that to spread some messages and help people uh yeah with a, a form of therapy and everything like you're putting a puzzle there i i all, all those are like a piece of a puzzle and like you can film you can photograph you can produce like you you've got the analytics the organization the creative things you've got the message as well you've got a purpose behind it it's not just filming for the sake of filming like you you, you have a story to tell in mind and with the purpose of helping other people and everything like you can see like i don't know pieces coming <laughs> together uh you don't know what what the final piece is gonna be for sure but you can see that every time you're adding new things to to your bag and and yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how it's, it all comes together thank you yeah no i you know i i used to make fun of everlasting students people who would never stop going to college but at the same time like i love learning new things and i love i get bored easily i guess like you know and i want to do something new so yeah i can't judge the process of like What's the future hold? Well, I learned to stop planning for the future. <laughs> and that's just a recent, you know, discovery. discovery for sure. Like, stop planning because life happens and life, God laughs. And so all I can do is like, does what, what I'm doing now make me feel good? You know, that's all. That's all I can like ask myself. Am I happy? doing what I'm doing now. Okay, cool. Is are you know, is there anything else that interests you right now? Yeah, sure. You can you like, yeah, that I'll learn a little bit of that, you know? But like not judging myself and not trying to put myself like in this box of like you should do this. Like you can only do this for the rest of your life. That sounds miserable for me. Like <laughs> like, you know, like getting stuck in one thing. So I'm just excited that I'm constantly evolving my career, like, um, and constantly learning new things that like take me on other tangents and like, but if I just put my same work ethic and everything that I'm doing, like, I feel like you're right. Like I have the good foundation, the good structure, like, um, yeah, just have a lot of trust and faith that like, whatever I do in the future, it's going to be great because <laughs> it's great now. It's great. And sometimes it's not, and that's okay too. Like, you know, you could always change. You could always shift. Well, it's important, especially right now. Yeah. <laughs> We've learned that in the past, in the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah. And starting over is not starting over. It's like recreating yourself. And, you know, when you realize when when everybody realizes that they're artists that's a really good point yeah. we always say about starting over like it feels like starting from scratch but no actually you've got all the experience from the that's a really good point i like that <laughs> yeah recreate yourself um remember the highlights of like every part of your uh, your journey like you know like you can't resent what you used to do because 
being an office manager for a security company made me really great for being an office manager, production manager now, like, you know, but never did I know that Excel was going to come in handy one day with, you know, like, oh, I'm doing budgets now. Whoever knew I was going to do accounting, like, in production, like, this is so weird, like, you know, I, I don't know, but it's where I'm at now, so... I'm tired of worrying about the future. <laughs> I love as well what you said about being, you know, not being stuck in a box. Because I feel like a lot of people are like, well, this is my job and this is what I do. And I'll do this for 40 years. But I think it's amazing that you can kind of be like, well, this is what I do now. It might not be the same in six months time or a year's time or 10 years time. Who knows? I'll just change as and when I want to. And I love that. I think that's exactly why my way of thinking as well. And I think it's yeah. the way that like a lot of people, sh- not should be, but you know, it's, a lot more freeing just to do what makes you happy there and then and not worry too much about, oh, is it, you know, is this the right thing to do or is this whatever? Like, I just think that mindset of like growth and just doing whatever feels right is amazing. And it's something that, well done you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not about, I think, what it should be. I think, I think it's just that resonates to you. Yeah. And it's not because a society is usually pushing you the other way that it's right or wrong. It's just... We, we gotta accept that people are different people think differently mm-hmm. and people are happy with different things and some people are happy to do the same job the whole damn life like some people are happy i don't get it but some people are happier and and actually the society need that yeah, yeah. society needs okay? that to work because like- otherwise the world would fucking collapse okay if everyone was a butterfly or be like jumping from one thing to another yeah. so actually you need stability in, in the world and we need it's, people it's, who work in factories. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. So it's not about right or wrong. It's just there is a shift right now in in with new generation, with us and and the Gen Z or whatever they're called. Um, and yeah, it's going to be shifting. But it's not about right or wrong. It's just we everything in the world, and yeah, we we need people that keep the job for forty years as well. Because otherwise, yeah, it's fine. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm grateful for those people too, because I don't have to do that job. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. The freedom to do what we want to do. Yeah. yeah, and it gives them the security for what yeah. they want to do. Yeah. And and also like you can change. You know, this is the truth now. But maybe one day when we're gonna be older, we're gonna be like, actually, I like some stability, and maybe I'm gonna decide to you know, do a normal st- job. Stop jumping from one thing to another and. And do the same for a bit longer because it might be less stressful and maybe I just want to chill a little bit. Yeah. And and again, nothing wrong with that. And that's interesting because some I was called a growth junkie, you know, and like because I love personal growth and like personal development, career development, all this stuff, like how to get better and be better. And then I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, at some point I'm going to be tired of growing and I'm just going to be okay with where I'm at. And my dad... I was asking me the other day about like working and like, are you excited to be grow like climbing the ladder and like climbing it so fast and like keep going. And I'm like, you know, right now I'm okay with where I'm at. Like I'm going to just chill. And like in five years, like I can have opportunity for new growth. And I think we get so caught up with like the time, like we got to do this fast that we aren't, we can't like slow it down a little bit, but you know, so it's okay to stay in one place for five years 10 years is a long time too but to each their own everybody whatever has, makes you happy yeah whatever makes you happy but for me i like i like the shift i like the evolution and 
but uh, I get tired sometimes too. <laughs> Same. I get bored so easily. I do something for a year and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Next. Next. And it's great. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Liz, for being on the podcast. Oh my God, I just called you Liz. So. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you so much, Sue. I'm so sorry for being <laughs> on the podcast. It has been lovely to hear your whole story and to like talk about the creative side, creativity side as well and kind of where the art came from and where you're at now and your plans for the future. And it's just been so amazing talking to you about all of this. So thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for letting me I've share. I've discovered like a new side of you uh, and it's interesting to see how we're talking about that before, how everything is, is connected and how everything that happened, well, made you who you are now and, and yeah, no, it was great. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> Thank me. Thank you for being with us. Um, yeah, that's it for the episode, guys. Um, you're doing the closing usually. If you enjoyed it, <laughs> Um, please make sure you leave a review. Go and find Sue. You're not on social media. Yeah. Okay. Peace, peace, love, and Sue. Okay. Go and find Sue on social media. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Follow us on Instagram. Why not? And we'll see you next week. Bye.